Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Barra, and joining us from a long sabbatical, returning from the the great northlands of Georgia is Eli. Morning. He's back. I am. From college. Yes. Joining us for a couple of episodes. What a time has been. Yes, college. Yes. How's college? It, uh, well... They're taking my money, and I feel like I haven't really learned a bunch. So that's about right. I, I'm not gonna lie; I, that's about it. So <laughs> you know. And behind the soundboard is Brian. I'm always here. He's always here. He's You're our producer. Here. Yes. And he's got two more years of this. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing this longer than I am. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna grab, we're gonna put a template on the little soundboard. <laughs> like the Stanley Cup. It's gonna be like the Stanley Cup, like producers get their <laughs> producers just get, get their, their names on it. Yeah, you know. All right. So Eli is going to um, tell us a little bit about Ukraine. So at February of last year, or was it this year? Yeah, it was this February year. this year. I know. Uh, we did a brief history of the Ukrainian Russian conflict. We gave a very brief update of what was going on. Well, and not... things have definitely changed since February of 2022. So Eli is here giving us an update on the current situation mm-hmm. between the Ukrainians and the Russians. It's kind of a breakdown of what's happened from February 24th to today. It's 10 months of war. So this war has lasted 10 months longer than anybody expected it. That is that is a fair point. Now, granted, when the first part of this, like when the first, you know, when you guys first did your episode on Russia and Ukrainian history and why it's happening, uh, it was three days into the war. Which and the Russians thought would end in three days. Right. And we I'm assuming them, we gave them two weeks. Uh, something like two weeks. It wasn't like, you know, we were like, oh, you guys got this. Like, mm-hmm. it was not that at all. And then it's been 10 months. Yes. And quite as, a surprising 10 months, actually. And as, if I, as I've told my military history students, you can tell how we, as the United States you can and NATO for that instance, you can tell how they're feeling about the war based off of what they're giving Ukraine. That's true. And now they're talking about giving them even more stuff. That's tanks, mm-hmm. some F-16s. So they're they're really feeling like, I mean, Ukraine probably has this. I would hope so. Yes. I would be surprised if it changed from what we're about to talk about. Okay. So give us an update. All right. Well, we're going to start with a little intro here. You know, February 24th, 2022, obviously. Russia begins their full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Now, in the podcast, I'm going to call it the full-scale invasion because technically Russia has been in Ukraine since 2014 when they annexed Crimea illegally. And they also took Don... I can always get... Don Tesk. And Livsk. It's somewhere in here. Um, Two territories. Yes. They took those two as well. Illegally, obviously. So, because, you know, the Budapest Memorandum in 1994 when Ukraine gave up all their fun nuclear weapons that they had pointed at you know, Russia and the Soviet Union in honor of America and Russia protecting their national sovereignty means absolutely nothing to Vladimir Putin. But that's understandable when you're dealing with Vladimir Putin. Who apparently pooped himself. 
I didn't know that. You think he said Oracle? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> was well, he even McDonald's? Because then he'd be the second world leader to do that. He was, <laughs> he was, he was the first world leader. Some Australian prime. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> he, he, uh, he fell down some stairs, landed on his tailbone, and pooped himself last week. <laughs> and some poor aide had to drag him to the bathroom and clean him up. The fact that that got out, I'm amazed. Oh, it's fantastic. That's amazing. It is. <laughs> That's... That brought a smile to my face. All right. So, Russia begins their full-scale invasion February 24th. They come through the north through Belarus. They come through the east and the south through Crimea. Um, it's, it's like you said, Russia thought three days. The world thought two weeks. You know, no one saw ten months later. So, uh, the I guess for a lot of people, you know, they're wondering why does Russia keep moving into territories like this why is russia such an aggressive country for most people um like the leaders in you in russia it's like uh you know it's their sphere of influence that they need to have after the soviet union you know georgia in 2008 you know armenia all these things like coming together wanting to re-put together the soviet union and to re-have all this territory is just the goal and they also don't like them being friendly with the West. That is true. That is very true. Mm-hmm. They were not happy in 2004 when the Baltic empires, or Baltic republics, uh, joined NATO. And now that Switzerland and, is it Norway? Finland. Finland. Switzerland and Finland. Two, not Switzerland. Not Switzerland. Sweden. Sweden. Not Switzerland's Switzerland. neutral. So, mm, what does neutral really mean today? I mean, so is Sweden and Finland. Yeah, not anymore. <clears throat> not anymore. Now they're part of NATO. Almost. Not not fully confirmed yet, but will be. It's going to happen. So, uh, you know, Russia needs and has to have a strong presence in the region according to their belief systems. Uh, however, though, you know, it kind of hurts your country when you have a fascist leader who claims that it's a democracy, but it's the only name on the ballot every, you know, four years or five years when you do a re-election. And free speech is non-existent. Yeah, what's that in Russia? It was a, you get seven years automatically if you're mm-hmm. speaking out against a war, which mm-hmm. can be like holding up a white sign, a blank white sign. Now, granted, though, and this is kind of funny to me, you can probably get out a little earlier if you're like, I'll fight for you in the war, because then once you get into Ukraine, who says you have to stay for Russia? Well, now they do. Well, <laughs> they've kind of gone back to World War II, and they have guys in back you with machine guns saying, if you leave, I'll shoot <laughs> well, you. Well... <laughs> That with the wasted ammo that they're leaving behind, you know, it's gonna. It it feels very World War Two, you know, esque. Also, also, there is a very large propaganda arm of the Russian government. Oh, very much. Which I thoroughly enjoy watching because it's like it's satire. It's, oh, it's so bad. It's hilarious. It's 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 just so like. It's bad. Yes, it's bad. They, so. they just they just did like a, a piece on why um like European countries haven't performed so great in the World Cup, and it was like because they're like European Western European countries are genetically modifying their babies so they're weaklings, so the government can control them. It's just like what? Imagine seeing that on the nightly news here. It'd just be like. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, it's just comical. It's anyway. Genetically modifying them to be weaker. That's a new one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fascism, like you said, free speech doesn't exist. Uh, in a recent survey 
about 10% of the Russian population said that they've experienced torture in some form. And 30% of the Russian population approves of torture as a useful method. That's not something that happens in a free speech democracy. Correct. Well, right. So you're already, you know, it's a country where fear speaks louder than words for the people. So, you know, Russia needs and wants their territories back, according to Vladimir Putin. Now, on February 24th, Russia invades, you know, for many, like for me personally, this is the first war that I'm watching unfold that I will really remember. Uh, You know, yes, war on terror has been happening, but I was born in 2004, so I won't really remember what happens. So, you know, Russia seems like a impossible win for Ukraine. You know, it's the bear of Europe, as they call them. Russia had 900,000 active troops, 3,417 active tanks, 38 subs, more than 1,100 anti-air vehicles, 407 brand new attack helicopters. Uh, Which are called gators, right? uh, I think they're called gators. They're weird looking things. They are weird, but they're really good. You can't, they are. They're, They're really good. You can't deny that fact. Keep on um, falling out of the sky, though. Well, they keep getting shot down out of the <laughs> sky. 1,033 tactical combat aircrafts, um, mostly the Sukhoi 35s, which are also really good uh, compared to what most of Europe holds. What Ukraine holds. Well, Ukraine holds what most of Europe held, like NATO Ukraine's held. got old-school Soviet. Equipment. Oh, big-time old-school yeah. Soviet stuff. Uh, and plenty of other machines and reserves, okay? That's what they started this war with. Ukraine, not even like a third of that. Like they were, they were. it's pretty rough in Ukraine. It's, it was basically what the Soviet Union left there when they fell. <laughs> right. Collapsed in 91. Yeah, it's, it was bad, real bad. Um, on paper, you know, should not be possible for Keyword Ukraine to win. Paper. On paper, should not be possible. But... That doesn't account. That doesn't take into account everything that Ukraine has done and all the aid it's gotten, and how the rest of the world has stepped up for it. Also, the corruption within Russia that truly <laughs> made it a paper army. <laughs> that true. That that's where where I heard there's there's big concern within the Russian army right now of lack of winter gear. Yeah, no, that's a true statement. That because is... they've misplaced a million. Winter outfits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, funny. Oh, you're seeing my, if you were here, you're seeing my fingers doing that air quote thing, misplaced. So, 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 <laughs> funny story, actually. Uh, this isn't something that Ukraine had to get from NATO. Ukraine was already well prepared for winter. They already had the winter gear for their soldiers. So, uh, they did have that over Russia. But, you know, it's, you're right. Misplaced in air quotes is... Corruption runs high in Russia. So what would probably happen is a guy got the contract (laughs) to make a million winter jackets. He pocketed it and said, I made you a million winter jackets. (laughs) And And now they need them. And he's like, what happened? Someone stole them. I'm going to go to my yacht. That's 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 the Russian that's the Russian military in a nutshell for you. That's true. Mm -hmm. So Russia moved very quickly through the east. Um, They didn't take over Kiev. Uh, the capital of Ukraine. Um, they just they got to it and were pushed back pretty fast. But in other territories and regions, 
Russia moved quickly, uh, quickly into the Zaporozhia area, which has Europe's largest nuclear power plant, um, which the Russians like lobbing shells. At. <laughs> that comes later. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, Donetsk, Luhansk, Zaporozhia, Kherson, Mariupol, you know, the countries on these borders, the ter- not countries, the um, provinces on these borders were taken fast. Now, in terms of substantial like holdings that Russia had, there were very little. They didn't take Kharkiv. They didn't take Kiev. They failed to take some other major cities. Like it was not already working out well for Russia. Um, and surprisingly, you know, for Russian, for Russia, you know, a quick war has turned into ten months, and now officials say that maybe the war could be over by the end of this year. If if Ukraine decides that it wants to be done at Kherson and finish pushing Russia out of it, the main territory, or if they decide that they want to go into Crimea and finish what they've started, then it'll push into next year. But that's based off of what uh, Vladimir Zelensky decides to do and his officials. <clears throat> In terms of losses, because you, know, you really don't measure a war in the modern day era by your territory's gain, but by the losses that you take. Uh, Russia has lost about 20,000 men as of October 25th. That's confirmed, just killed in action. That's not including wounded, missing, you know. That is strictly proven lost um, The total numbers. number I heard of killed, wounded, or missing is over 100,000. It, it is. So all this, most of this information, actually all this information comes off of a website called Oryx. Oryx looks at is looking at this war and they are special for a couple reasons but the the main thing is that they don't count it as a loss unless they have photographic evidence okay so if you go to their website oryx.com it looks really weird because it has what kind of tank it is like it's a russian tank it'll say lost or damaged or or like whatever destroyed and you can actually click on a link and it'll show you the picture of the tank destroyed so they only count it if you have a picture of it because in battle, Russia tends to underestimate their losses and Ukraine tends to overestimate Russian losses. So you have to find the, the happy medium that is proven. So 20,000 men killed, more than a third of Russia's main battle tanks destroyed, more than 2,500 fighting or infantry fighting vehicles, that's including all of them together, 63 aircraft, 54 helicopters, and 10 naval vessels, including the flagship of their Black Sea fleet. That randomly caught on fire and sunk. Yeah, totally wasn't hit by two Ukrainian missiles. <laughs> totally wasn't. Uh, you... the, the, cook, the cook got a little wild. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Ukraine has lost 9,000 men reportedly, but also the losses are pretty similar in the terms of people that have actually been killed. Uh, 334 tanks, 687 infantry fighting, fighting vehicles, 53 aircrafts, 15 helicopters, and 20 naval vessels. And they were like smaller, you know, boats. They're not like these huge Russian mm. warships. Now, in terms of losses, it's about the same. Because you have to remember that Ukraine doesn't have the same amount of Russia. Russia was the largest military in Europe going into this. Not anymore, because they've thrown it all away, but they were. So, um, also, the reserves that Russia has behind them are prisoners 
who Correct. aren't willing to fight for a war that they don't support, and that's why they were in prison in the first place. And a lot of them are just going there and turning right around. and That's true. Peace them out. They're also burning the draft offices. Uh, on September 29th, when Putin made – or September 21st, September 21st, when Putin made his address to the Russian uh, people – they uh, they burned 20 draft offices that night when he was like, we're going to bring up 300,000 new reserves. Uh, they set fire to things. And a most Ru- I'm assuming it was Molotov cocktails. I would like to. Um, that feels like a Russian thing to do. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the Russians also have a large reserve of Soviet-based weapons, like 3,000 more tanks. That are very old, obsolete, and probably don't run. Well... <laughs> they didn't store them properly. They left them out in the climate since 1991. So half of them are rusted. The other half have been torn apart for parts to fix the ones that are rusted but won't run. So they really have nothing at all. And and if you want to know about Russian tanks, they've basically been using the same tank since 1956. Right. And they just, they just rebranded. Right. So it's all basically the T-56. And they're like, oh, we came out with the T-63, which is basically just a T-56 with like a shiny mirror on it so they could sell it to other people. And it's gone all the way like to the T-91, T-90. It's basically the same tank as the T-56. Like the optics are horrible. It the gun change. barrel doesn't work. It doesn't um, And they store the ammunition right in the turret. That is true. So that's why you get these magnificent explosions where you see the turret fly of 55 <laughs> billion feet up in the air. They try to go to the moon. I mean, I watched, I, I saw a video, Ukraine dropped a grenade from a drone into the turret hatch and i watched this thing explode and went wow yeah that's amazing so i mean who says you need missiles and rocket launchers you got grenades and drones correct um so another issue facing russia's um you know whole war machine is their waste of missiles russia had 18 more than eight, it was around 1800 missiles at the start of Cruise missiles, right? Cruise missiles, okay. like the big ones, you know, the ones that you can shoot from Russia that's like, oh, it's an airstrike coming kind of thing, you know. They're down to 600. Well, in October, they were down to 609. Um, they've really just kind of thrown them at Ukraine, which isn't – it hasn't done as much as everyone thought they were going to do. The, the similarities of what Putin is doing is very similar to Hitler – and the London Blitz, mm-hmm. where he's not attacking military targets. He's just attacking civilians. Yeah. And it's allowing the Ukrainian military to basically oh, they rebuild. Can't, and, they can't yeah. hit moving targets. Yeah. Instead of aiming for, okay, any, I mean, as a military history teacher, as somebody who looks at strategy, the smart thing to do would be to destroy airfields so that you can't shoot and launch planes. Correct. So you get air superiority, which they have not done. They haven't hit any. They didn't shoot at any airfields. <laughs> they decided to shoot at cities. So you're already, that's, I mean, in terms of like economic and like war aid, people are going to help you if your people are being shot at. Correct. So like, you know, air, air superiority, <clears throat> not there. Russians can't shoot at a moving target. They can't. They cannot hit their tanks. Like Ukraine is just driving normally. Their tanks normally. And Russia can't hit them. So... You know, it's there's a lot to have goes on, but it's that Russia just isn't effective in the means of fighting a war. But they never really have been. 
at all in history. That's why they tend to lose the most people in World War One and World War Two, and it's just it shows. And now they don't have the population to sustain that. Oh, no, so they don't. So go back and listen to our episode on the demographic transition model. They are what we call a stage five country, meaning they have a shrinking population and the bulk of their country are old people. Uh-huh. And now you're killing all your young people. Yep. So this is going to be a demographic disaster. It, it, it is. It's getting worse, too. Um, so, you know, Russia's out of missiles. So they turned to Iran. And... Uh, <laughs> Iran sold Russia the Shahid 136 drone. And <laughs> a lot of them. Why? Because they are cheap. And I'm talking real cheap in terms of drones. But Russia isn't using these drones to drop bombs and missiles. They're just using the drones as the missiles. They're using them as kamikaze drones. Uh, yeah, no, they're just flying them straight into stuff. And the beauty of them, they can't work if it's below 40 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to be so okay not even that though not even that though ukraine is really good at shooting things from the ground and blowing them out of the sky yes. of all the missile strikes that have happened in ukraine like the the recent one where they launched like a hundred like 10 hit yeah 10 hit ukraine shot down 90 percent of the missiles that got sh- like that that were launched into ukraine that is what they call a re- horrible return on investment oh very much so <laughs> so you know, the drones, also they use the drones to target the energy infrastructure. They decided that, you know, shooting at civilians isn't working. We can't take superiority now militarily. So let's just take the power out. As if our, the Ukrainian leaders weren't prepared for this and didn't have them, A, already set up to the EU's electronic grid, A, and B, if they hadn't ordered 60,000 Massive generators to put in, in cities, preparing for something like this. And I so, believe the, the Turkish government sent these massive ships, which are basically like power stations, and hooked them up to the Ukrainian grid. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, they yeah. So they knocked, they knocked the power out for like six hours, and then it's like back up. Uh, they uh, what was it? Uh, I can't remember what day it was, but yeah, they basically were like powerless for like six to 12 hours. And they're like, all right, we're all good now. You know, you guys can go back to heat in your homes. Like it wasn't nothing that Russia has done has been effective so far. So, you know, that's also kind of caused some problems. Iran selling drones, you know, there's things now that it's kind of put Iran back into a major spotlight globally. Because who was also the massive protests and the government well, that, on the verge of collapse. And for America, especially, you know, Iran has a breakout time of like zero days now. Like they are real close to nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. So it's Iran is going to be in the news for a little bit longer, too, um, especially with the protests happening. What goes on there? I've heard so many stories about the World Cup and the Iranian team. It's it's like threatening like iran threatening their families if they didn't sing the national anthem Mm -hmm. and then they didn't and they're like try us (laughs) i wouldn't i wouldn't try iran's government no it's unstable and they're um last i heard this week you're about to have a tiananmen square type thing occurring where they said there's a million plus people heading to tehran 
and they're basically just going to camp out in one of the main squares. And now the Iranian government is openly executing protesters, like hanging them. They have 15,000 people that they've arrested for protesting, and they're saying they're going to execute them all. Ron's an interesting, uh, it's yes. an interesting situation globally right now. So, <clears throat> a, um, but, you know, war's happening. In Ukraine, they actually had a fun little birthday surprise to Vladimir Putin. Uh, his birthday was September 29th or September 27th, one of those two days. I, there is a land bridge from Russia to Crimea. It is 17 miles long, and it costs $9 billion to make this bridge. It is called Putin's Bridge. That is the name of this bridge. Ukraine drove two oil tanker trucks on it, lit them on fire, and ran. Uh, it didn't destroy the bridge, but it's bad enough that you can't drive on the bridge. So, you know, this $9 million bridge or billion dollar bridge has had two oil tanker explosions on Putin's birthday as a happy birthday, Mr. Putin, from Ukraine. Kind of funny. Um, in September, I'm sure most people heard, but Putin illegally annexed the four provinces of in Ukraine, Luhansk, Donetsk, or Donetsk, Zaporozhye, and Kherson. Now, of course, it's not globally accepted because you can't just have sham referendums in a country where, you know, there's it's videos. It's not accepted by anybody. Right. And, and they're even, so, even their so-called allies were like, can't do this. Okay, that's... They, the videos of like the videos of a Russian soldier watching walking up to like this old woman going, "You have to do that," and she's like, "No," and he was like, "I'm gonna kick your door down if you don't," and she was like, "Fine," and like voted for it. You can't. It's such a <laughs> sham. Also, why would you record that? <laughs> also, I mean, if if you're doing a sham election. Right. All right. At least make it look like that it may have been close. It's like 98% of the people voted yes. No, no they didn't. That never will happen in history. No. <laughs> uh, so as of today, uh, Ukraine has reclaimed all four provinces, the major cities and the provinces. And then, um, of course, the last of which being Kherson, which has kind of been this, you know, going back and forth. They moved in. They took the city pretty fast, but they're still trying to push Russia out completely of the area. Um, and uh, <laughs> so that is the next part. But Kherson's important, obviously, because it's the land bridge to Crimea. <laughs> All right. So that's a good update. Uh, we'll end here and we'll pick it up again next week. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.